Man, it's so good to be here with you guys. Welcome to Legacy. If you're here for the first time, I just want to say a big welcome to you. And I want to say also thank you so much for sharing your Sunday morning with us. We welcome you to the family. You're only allowed to be a guest once. And from this Sunday onward, you are a member of the family. If you would like a little bit more information about our church, you want to get plugged in, connected here at Legacy, we have a way that you can do that. Um, You actually can text us. That's right. In the same way that you can give on your phone, you can also connect through your phone. I'm not just talking about Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. You can actually send us a text message. You can text the word welcome to 615-454-9333. And we will get connected with you, let you know about all of our small groups and how you can get involved if you'd like to serve or do something else. That's how you do it, all right? So just want to make that available to you this morning. How many were here last week? Anybody here last week? Not very many of you guys. Yeah, hold your hand up high. Okay, handful of you guys. So we had the distinct privilege of having a guest pastor, Jonathan Martin, preach to us last week. And if you were here Could I just get two good amens? That was a great message. Agreed? Like that sermon was so good. Like I walked out of here feeling so full of hope and life and joy. And so many people hit me up throughout the week on social media to let me know that they had the same experience with Pastor Jonathan last week. So I know that I speak for all of us when I say we were privileged to have him in. And before he came, and now after he's left, I'm going to continue a sermon series uh, that I've been sharing on the, on the Beatitudes from Matthew chapter 5. So if you have your Bible, open it up to Matthew chapter 5. We're going to be reading verse 1 through 7. My reading is going to come from the English Standard Version. If you'd like to follow that along, you can flip that over in your app. And uh, we're going to talk a little bit about Jesus' Beatitude on mercy. Everybody say mercy. This is a very subversive beatitude. Probably my personal favorite beatitude out of all the beatitudes because I love mercy. Anybody else in here love mercy? I love mercy, man. How many of you are thankful for mercy? I'm thankful for the mercy of Jesus Christ that when he found me, I did not have it all together, and yet he had mercy on me. I'm telling you guys, he had to scrape the bottom of the barrel to get me up, and he had mercy on me. I was terrible. I was mean. I was angry. I was a bad person. I was a sinner, and Jesus had mercy on me. And I know uh, just like me, he had mercy on you as well, because we all need the mercy of Jesus Christ. Amen? So we're going to talk about the Beatitude of Mercy today, which will arrive in verse 7. But we're going to read the whole thing, 1 through 7. Let's start. 1. Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and taught them. So let's observe something very quickly. When Jesus sat down on the mountain... He opened up his mouth and began to teach them. It's important to note this because up until this moment, Jesus had not really done any teaching. Jesus had mostly done proclaiming. He was not walking around giving a presentation up until this point. 
Jesus was walking around giving a demonstration of the heart of the Father and the power of God's kingdom. Up until this point, Jesus had not done any teaching. He had not sat down and began to break down his kingdom or give out a 101 class. He simply was walking around, healing the sick, raising the dead, cleansing the lepers, causing deaf ears to pop open, blind eyes to pop open, lame legs to receive their strength again, and to begin to walk. This is what Jesus was doing. So, of course, his disciples were observing this, and they were noting that Jesus was giving them a demonstration of what he said was the kingdom of his Father. But now what Jesus is doing is he's sitting down, and he's now giving a presentation of what this kingdom is all about. See, up until this point, what the disciples had observed was the power of God. Everybody say power. But now what the disciples would be taught is the posture of God. Everybody say posture. How many of you guys know that you can release power without having the right posture? Right? Uh, how many of you guys remember the Apostle Paul saying, Hey man, you can speak in tongues, you can work miracles, you can raise the dead, you can preach the paint off the walls. But unless you have love right, then you are a sounding gong or a tinkling cymbal. And I don't know about you, I've never heard those things play on their own, but I can't imagine they sound that well, right? But when I read through social media, I hear a lot of gongs and tinkling cymbals. That's, no, that's what it is. It's tinkling, bro. It's clanging cymbals. I'm thinking of finger symbols. That's a tinkle. Y'all look this up. All right. It's a clanging symbol. Oh, my bad. My bad. Okay. Okay. Well, imagine they were finger symbols. Because I don't know anything that could be any more annoying than a finger symbol or a tinkling symbol, or maybe it's like an out-of-place triangle, like somebody's playing the triangle offbeat, or somebody's playing the jaw harp when it's not supposed to be there. You know, I'm from Kentucky, so we say things like tinkling, so y'all have to get over that. A clanging symbol, right? So anybody else in here, you read through Facebook, you're like, clang, tink, <laughs> Gong, right? Because there's a lot of people who are doing everything that they can to release power, right? They're trying to speak from authority. They're trying to speak from knowledge. They're doing what they can do to be powerful, to release power, but they're not necessarily releasing the right posture, right? Because God wants us to release power, but even more than that, he wants us to do it in the right posture, right? That's what Jesus is teaching his disciples when he sits down. He's like, you've seen the power of God. Now I want you to know about the posture of God. Because I'm not going to break down my kingdom just so that you can become more effectively religious. That's not his goal here. He's not sitting down saying, okay, guys, listen. Uh, I'm going to show you how to be really good Jews. That's not what he's doing. He's also 
not prophesying in the sense of, guys, when there are Christians, if you follow these things, you will be a good Christian. What Jesus is doing in the Sermon on the Mount, on the Mount is he is teaching us how to be human. He's not just teaching us how to be religious or Jewish or Christian. Jesus is teaching us how to be human. He is teaching us the posture that we must have to make life livable. He's saying, uh, I'm promising you abundant life. I know that you're aware of that promise as Christ is preaching. But in order for that to become your lifestyle, you're going to need more than power. You're going to have to have the right, you guys finish it, posture, right? No tinkling cymbals. A posture of what we're going to get to in just a moment. So let's read the rest of the Beatitudes up to verse 7. And he said, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And he said, blessed, everybody say happy. That's what that word actually means. Happy are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Everybody say it with me. Blessed are the hunger are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. We talked about this two weeks ago. What does the word righteousness mean? Everybody say justice. Doesn't that take on new meaning for us? Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for justice. For they shall be satisfied. For they shall be filled. Right? Jesus is essentially saying, blessed are those who are passionate about setting the world right. That's what he's saying in that beatitude. Blessed are those who are passionate about setting the world right. How many in here are passionate about setting the world right? I know a handful of you are. How many, how many of you guys, you want to write history? You want to change the world? You want to make a big difference with Jesus, right? You want to do something special? You want to fulfill the calling of God on your life? Can I get two good amens, right? Yeah? Anybody else passionate about this, right? Is that what I'm talking about? You know that you've been called to do something great for God. How many of you guys know you're, you have not been anointed to warm the bench? Amen. amen. You're called to be in the game and do something about the anointing that Christ has given you through the cross. And he says, blessed are you when you're passionate about setting the world right because you are going to be satisfied. I think it's very interesting that Christ would bless us when we get stirred up for justice. You want to know why he blesses us when we get stirred up for justice? Not... So that we can release his power alone, but so that we can do so with his posture as well. Which is why he leads us to the next beatitude and he says, blessed, everybody say blessed, blessed. are the merciful for they shall receive mercy. We're blessed when we get stirred up for justice when we get stirred up to release God's power and make the world right, but we must partner that passion. We must receive that blessing so that we don't stop with God's power, so that we move on into verse 7, so that we move on into God's posture, so that we wouldn't just release justice to the world the way that we see fit, but that we would walk in mercy and, and set the world right the way that God sees fit. 
Because I know a lot of people who want to set the world right on the basis of their own opinion. Oh, you, you guys don't have Facebook on your iPhone. Okay. Uh, so, I mean, I, like, I see a whole lot of people out there like they would tell you, they'll tell you what they would do if they were the president. Don't worry, I'm not going to dive into that too deeply. But they, you know, they would tell you, you know, this is what, this is what needs to happen. Well, I'll tell you what I would do if I, be quiet. That, that, that's what I want to say. I'm like, shh. I just want to like do a meme or something like, just stop. You know, tinkling. It's just, tink, it's the ding, 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 ding. Right? Because, because it's got a sting to it. You guys know what I'm talking about? You read a comment, you're like, ouch. You know what's not present? Mercy. There may be some power. There may be some statistics. There may be some facts. There may even be truth. But there also may be anger. There also may be judgment. And the word of God teaches us that mercy triumphs over. You know what the word is there, judgment in the Greek? It's a, it's a word called krisis. It's where we get our word crisis from. And it's most often translated as justice, not in that scripture, but most often in the New Testament, it's translated as justice. And so what we're learning there is that mercy, I don't know if you guys are with me, triumphs over, okay, don't, nope, nobody stoned me, okay, are you, mercy, the very subversive power of Christ to go low when everybody else is. You're about to get what's coming to you. Whoa, did they deserve that? In some cases, they do deserve that. Because according to the law, they deserve the punishment. They deserve the incarceration. They deserve the death. But then there's Jesus who is on the scene. Very quietly, subversively, humbly, kneeling down. To ride in the dirt. This woman was caught in the very act of adultery. According to the law. Everybody say justice. This is judicial justice. He's saying according to the law. Was it true? Yep. Was it right? Yep. All those things. And yet Jesus came with a greater truth. Jesus came with a better way. Because Jesus said. Hey look. I'm not coming to teach you guys how to observe the law better. I'm coming to teach you how to live better. I'm coming to teach you how to make life more livable. And if everything is an eye for an eye, the whole world will be blind. We got to go a little bit deeper, not just into the power of God. We need to go into the posture of Jesus. And so oftentimes, before we ever see Jesus lifted up, we see Jesus. Jesus was lifted up on the cross. He triumphed over all principalities and powers, over every demon, over every spirit, over every single thing that it would exalt itself against the imagination of Christ Jesus. But before Jesus Christ was lifted up in power, he stooped down in humility and he washed the dirty feet of Judas, the very man who betrayed him on the night in which he was kidnapped and arrested, taken, beat down, and then crucified. We see justice happening. We see it according to the law. We see justice happening when Christ is crucified. 
According to the law, he should have been crucified. According to the Old Testament law, because of the things he was saying, as well as according to the governmental law, he should have been crucified because he was a rebel according to the state. And what they did to rebels in that day and age was they crucified him. But that is the very subversive, humility, merciful act of God that Jesus, oddly enough, would simply be another rebel crucified on a Friday. But in the midst of the government executing justice against our God, and in the midst of the Old Testament law executing justice against our Messiah, justice actually is executed to the principalities and powers because of the subversive way of God, which is to stoop down so that He can reign in victory over our lives. Jesus got up on the cross because he first got down in humility. I'm talking about the day that he decided to wrap himself up in flesh in the dressing room of Mary's womb and come out here as a human being and show us what the posture of God is like. Because so many people say, what's God like? Kill him, murder him, deal with him, justice, you cheated, you lied, you die. And then... We're confused. What? How? This is must be the law of God. But then we have Jesus who comes in a better way, in a different spirit, showing us the right way, not just to be good Jews, but to be humans. But to be the beautiful creation that he fantasized about when he inserted us into the garden that is called pleasure. Because that's actually the translation of Eden. That for God so loved the world that he. For God in his position of exaltation. In his position of prominence. In his position of power. In his position of omnipotence. In his position of omnipresence. Stooped down in mercy and had mercy on us. And had grace on us. And had mercy when we were at our worst was when he was the closest. And he came and said, yeah, yeah, I, I understand. According to the law, that, 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 that's what's about to happen. Crucify him. Crucify him. Crucify him. Cried out justice. But then we see a beautiful whisper that comes from mercy. Forgive them, Father. For they know not what they do. I know so many people, you know, they want to release justice to the world. And I understand that because I do as well. I want to set the world right. But before we set the world right, God needs to set us right in the world. Before we can set the world right, God has to set us right. Because if he leaves us to our own devices, we'll have justice on the very people he's trying to have some mercy on. And we'll attack the people God's trying to forgive. We will crucify the people God's trying to work through. And then even though we're right, God has to take up a position of defense to protect the oppressed from us. Asaph got me with, it's a word. Mercy. Somebody say mercy. mercy. 
This is the posture that we're called to. See, we've been told, we've been anointed, we've been instructed, we've been trained, we've been discipled on how to release the power of God. But where are the fathers that would teach you, instruct you, and minister to you on the posture of God? Because you can be a teacher and show me the power of God, but you got to be a father. If you're going to show me the posture of God, which is why Paul said, man, you got all kinds of teachers. Plenty of people teach you how to lay hands on the sick, but I'm trying to show you as a papa how to love the world right. Because before you're going to set the world right, you got to love the world right. Before you got to set the world right, before you can set the world right, you've got to love the world rightly. Now, for me, I've always been very passionate about justice. That's something for me was just, I don't know if it's ingrained. I don't know what it is. I haven't really met a whole lot of people who had a greater passion for justice than me until I got married. And my wife, y'all, she is passionate about justice. I mean, she has a justice button the size of our kitchen. And, you know, it's like she, if anything is not fair, she's going to tell you about it. If somebody cheats at Monopoly, if you, you know what I'm saying? Like if you try to... (laughs) So you try to, 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 you know, to work and, and finagle? Okay. I'm going to check with you. You're my dictionary in here. So, you know, if you do it wrongly, you know, she's going to be like, mm, nope, cheating. Get it right. I, I, I quit Monopoly. I ain't doing this with you. Y'all are cheaters, and this ain't fair. You know what I'm saying? I, I, I mean, I don't know if you got any friends like that. That's probably some of you guys in here. Like, you're just so passionate about justice. Anything that's unfair, you're, you're just... You're angry about, but you know what? Mercy is so much bigger than uh, a sentiment to just simply be nice. It's so much bigger than that. It's so much greater than that. It's so much deeper than that. It requires so much more of us than that. This is not just about being nice. This is about providing the mercy of God to the people in our culture that deserve it the least. You know who deserves mercy the least? Oppressors. You know who we often think of when we consider who needs mercy the most? The poor, the needy, the downtrodden, the oppressed. But the reality is that the oppressors need the mercy just as much. But so oftentimes they are the last people to receive it. So they continue in their behavior rather than receiving from us in our posture so that the world could become right. So we come not just with power, we come with a posture. We come not only with justice, but we also partner that with mercy. And we forgive in the light of somebody demanding cold, hard justice and punishment. Now, for me, uh, I told you, I've always been passionate about that. So the very first time that I went to Africa, I got stirred up for justice. You know why? Because when you see injustice, you get stirred for justice. When you see somebody who's oppressed, you get stirred up in your spirit to set them free. When you see somebody who's being abused, you get stirred up in your spirit to heal them. That's why when Jesus says, blessed are you, when you're passionate for justice, you will be satisfied. The satisfaction he's talking about is the satisfaction that will come to that stirring in your spirit when you see injustice. Are you guys with me? 
Which is why Jesus says, blessed are you. Because he confers a blessing on you when you're willing to see the pain and the funk and the oppression and the bad stuff that happens in the world. You guys with me? I know this is kind of getting a little real right now. But it's, but like, I know so many people that simply ignore all of the pain and the problems and the oppression in the world because they hope that one day it'll go away. Not understanding that God's actually ordained and anointed you to see it so that you could be stirred to fix it. We got to see it so that we can be stirred to fix it. That's what the blessing is. Whenever Jesus says, blessed are you, he's saying, hey, look, I have a blessing for you. I'm going to confer a blessing upon you. When you feel that stirring, here's the promise. You shall be satisfied. But as you're satisfied, as you're filled, here's how you're going to do it. Because it's one thing to be passionate, to set the world right. It's another thing to do it the way that God does it. Because we can't just release the power of God. we got to also release the heart of God. So when I first went to Africa, I'm like, I'm going to change Africa. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm going to change Africa. I'm going to bring revival to the nations. Uh, you know, I'm going to raise the dead. I'm going to cleanse the leper. I'm going to heal the sick. I'm going to open the ears of the deaf and open the... You guys ever been here before? You ever been on a short-term mission trip? You're like, man, I'm going, man. I'm going to change this place. I'm going to release justice. I'm going to set this place right Right? But here's what I realized. I don't know if this was the case with your mission trip, but here's what I realized. I went to Africa to set Africa right, but what I realized, I got to Africa and God set me right. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Because I'm like, I'm going over there to release justice. And God's like, hold on, wait, you first need to receive justice. Because if you're going to set the world right, you got to be set right first, young man. And so every day I spent on the ground worshiping and crying in a puddle of my own snot. And, you know, I was heartbroken. And I thought, man, I don't know. I don't know how to do this, God. You're going to have to help me. What was, that ha- what was happening? There was a stirring to be satisfied. So Jesus said, here's a blessing. But it's not just to release the power. It's to walk in the posture. So I get on the plane. And I'm like, I'm going to go home. Okay, I'm going home now. And I start to think about what I had proclaimed before I left. I'm going to change Africa. I'm going to change Africa. I'm going to change. But now I'm in the seat. And I'm going home and I'm like, Africa changed me. Africa changed me. Why? Because I saw injustice. It wasn't a theory. It wasn't a concept. It wasn't a statistic. It wasn't a YouTube video. But I opened up my eyes long enough to look at it. Long enough to be stirred to receive a blessing. To receive a new posture. To receive a posture of mercy. I feel like I've, I've given you guys three sermons. Are you guys okay? All right, because I'm not, I mean, I don't, I don't, I'm, I've kind of stopped using notes these days. All right, I'm just going to be honest with you guys. I don't know if that scares you or, you know, but let it be, Lord. So, you know, I do that. I, I come home and, and, uh, and, and, and to be honest, there's something about when that stirring takes place because you start looking for injustice. You keep your eyes open for it. Not, you know, you know the people who refuse to, to look at justice are the people who refuse to do anything about it. But when you're ready and when you're open and when you have a posture of mercy and you're looking to set the world right in God's way, you start looking for injustice because you know on the inside of you resides the solution. And so I see on CNN that there's a news report that there are over 1.2 million child prostitutes in the nation of India. So I said, I just, I can't see that and, and, and stay the same. I, I, I've seen that. I, I, I'm stirred now. So there's a blessing that happens. And, and to make this a little bit more effective, 
I want to show you guys a short, very short video clip, just one raw video clip. It's not edited. There's no music or anything. I just want to show you guys a short, raw video clip uh, of something that I saw that stirred me. All right? So this is something in, happened in India. So what you guys are going to look at here is this is a granite, slate rock, uh, marble, and quartz mine. And these mines are very deep and very steep. And when we went to visit these mines, we began to peel over the edge. And this is what we saw. Maybe. You might get to see it. And it's, it's loading. So these are small children working in this quarry. Some of them as young as five years old, being forced to labor from sunup to sundown. Many of the girls, as well as the boys, are used as prostitutes in the evenings. A lot of these kids have been sold into this situation by their own parents for as little as $500, and they'll work here until they're old or until their debts are forgiven, which is incredibly systemic and never happens. So that's good. I just wanted to show you guys that scene because I'm sure that you will all agree it's impossible to see that and not be stirred by it. Amen? Yeah. And, and, and because, how many of you guys in here right now, you're thinking, if I could just get there, I would do something about that. If I could just get there, I would say something, I would make a change, I could raise some money, I could somehow help, right? And that's how I feel. And you know the tendency that we have when we see stuff like that is to demand justice. And that's the tendency that we should have. But we can't stop there. Because if we stop there, the justice that we will release will only be retributive. And the justice that God wants us to release is supposed to be holistic, to transform the world and to bring the kingdom of heaven to the kingdom of earth so that all people, both oppressed and oppressors, can come to the light of the love of Jesus Christ. Our tendency was, put this man in jail. Our rightful cry was, put this man in prison forever, throw away the key. He deserves the death penalty. He deserves the worst of the worst that the judicial system would have to offer. This man is deserving of justice. Here's what we found out as we began to look for this man and to figure out how to bring justice to his doorstep, that he actually had the police paid off. So going to the police no longer became an option. Going to the authorities was not a viable strategy. So what happens when going to the judicial system or going to the police or going to the authorities is not a viable solution? Well, in my opinion, this brings us to a truth, which is that God's justice is most effectively administered, not from political systems, but from the tender mercy of compassionate disciples. The tender mercy of compassionate disciples. And essentially, just so we're all on the same page, mercy actually means active compassion. Compassion means shared pain. 
So what does it look like for us to have the posture of God, the posture of mercy, to get in a place to share in humanity's pain long enough to release the justice that God has in his heart? So we thought, okay, well, what do we do? You know, what what are we going to do? He's got the police paid off. You have mercy. And that was the strategy we felt like God gave us. And so every day we went and talked to this man, this oppressor, and we asked for these children, for their lives, for their freedom. We said, look, we're here to start a children's home. If you'd let them go home with us today, then, you know, we would, we would set them free and give them an education. And they would be cleaned up and healed up and we'd introduce them to Jesus. And they'd have a good life and a bright future. And he said, there's no way that's happening. Get out of here. Don't come back. Don't come to my minds talking about Jesus. I don't want Jesus being preached around here. I don't like Christians. If you come back here, I'll have you killed. This ain't happening. It's no way. So we kept going back and kept going back and kept going back because we thought, you know, let's just be persistent. You guys remember that story where, you know, the guy comes over in the middle of the night and he's like, yo, can I get a loaf of bread? You guys remember that in the Bible? He's knocking on the door. Hey, get, hey, can I get some bread, please? And the guy inside is like, um, no, no, wait till tomorrow. I'm in bed with my wife and my kids. You guys remember this story? Okay. And then he's like, um, you, you didn't hear me. Uh, I have a guest, need some bread, right? And, and then the, the guy's like, no, go away. Gah. I'm ad-libbing, obviously. Um. Uh, I <laughs> No, I don't have any bread. Yo, I know you have some bread. I was over here earlier this afternoon. I saw the bread. Wake up, get out of bed. I need the bread. You know, he's like making a song out of it now. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And uh and 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 the and the scripture teaches us that that it says that the guy gets up, right? You guys read the story. The guy would get up out of bed and he would give his neighbor bread, not because of the relationship, but because of the persistence. Do you know that persistence will get you things that relationship won't? See, some people think because they have a relationship with Jesus that everything should just fall into their lap. Oh, So, I'm the blessed and highly favored of the Lord. I'm a son. I'm just going to sit here. You better get over there and get off your bed and knock on the door until somebody opens up and gives you the bread you need. You know, we're just far too easily appeased. Are you hungry or not? Because I promise you, if you endeavor to release justice to the world, you're going to meet a locked door. Because the principalities and powers are pretty pumped on the current arrangement. No, no, no. None of you guys get too hungry. Don't want the don't don't get hungry after the bread that Christ gives. Here, have an appetizer. <laughs> you, you, are you guys with me? Okay, I know it's a little it's a little deep, it's a little layered, you know, but anyway, it could be a good door to talk about nutrition even. I don't know. I mean, we're Okay, anyway. <laughs> I'm just saying, man, be, be mindful of what you're eating. 
I'm, 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 I'm not playing. I'm not playing. I'm just saying that there, there are, I'm going there, whatever. Okay. Like we don't have time. We got five. I got to finish this story that we know what principalities and powers are. Yeah. Okay. There are systems that, that perpetuate, uh, evil and injustice. Okay. So there are systems in this world that would prefer for you to stay sick. So, you know, I don't, I don't know if I'm getting this. <laughs> so, don't get too hungry for any justice here. You know, have these GMOs. Um, don't, don't, get too, don't get too excited. You know, I need you to be apathetic. I need you to be lethargic. I need you to be depressed. I need you to need to sleep 12 hours a day. I need you to stay on all this medication. Okay. <laughs> I'm just saying. Are y'all, do y'all hate me? I'm sorry. All right. I mean, everything is, Chick-fil-A's fine. All right, Chick-fil-A. All right, listen, Chick-fil-A is closed on Sunday because it's the Lord's Day and they honor the Sabbath. <laughs> Yeah, right. Yo, I got to finish this story. Can I finish the story? Okay. That was an extra. We should, we're going to have to delete that from the podcast. I'm going to get in trouble for that. Anyways. No, you know what? Uh, here, here's a preacher's secret that we always preach what we need to hear. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, I need to stop. I need to get off them, them uh, chicken nuggets. So, anyways. So we continue to go back and we continue to talk to this guy. He ends up actually releasing one girl to us. Her name is Anitha. And uh, we take her to the hospital and the doctors say she has HIV, AIDS, fourth stage. She's going to die in 30 days. That's what he told us. This was, this was several years ago. Can I testify to you guys that Anitha is still alive today? Still living. We took her back. To the hospital she was having some like dialysis stuff done and, and the doctor or blood transfusion excuse me and the doctor said I don't know what you guys are doing but her body is doing the opposite of what a body is supposed to do when it's been affected by HIV AIDS in the fourth stage like she's not supposed to continue on but she's getting stronger like her digestion is supposed to be getting worse but it's getting better and so, you know, we put her in school. We put her in family. She becomes, she becomes our little sister, you know, and we introduce her to Jesus. She starts going to school, and we just keep going back, and we keep praying over this guy because we know that mercy triumphs over judgment, and that if we would continue to have mercy on him, the subversive power of God will eventually get to his heart because that's what mercy does. Even though justice may lock you up in your physical body, mercy can release you in your heart. And, and we just kept going back. We kept going back. And, uh, you know, it took a natural disaster. Actually, it took a natural disaster for him to call us because there was a flooding in Southeast India. Hurricane came through and it filled up his minds. And so all of these oppressed children that he owned had become stranded out on these different little plots and they couldn't get food to them. And so when he needed some charity, who did he call? 
Not the organization that tried to lock him up, but the friends that tried to set him free. And he said, can you guys help me? I, you guys are strange. You guys are weird people. And uh, I don't even know if I should be calling you, but could you guys help me, please? And, and at the time, we were a small organization. We had $10,000. We had saved and we'd raise it. And it, it, was, it was the only thing we had in the bank. And we bankrupt the organization to go have mercy on an oppressor. That, that's what we felt like the strategy of God was. And we said, we'll help you. And we helped provide food and clean water and washing powders. And our team got in boats and we helped these people who were stranded. And, and as a result, he said, he said um, I, I don't understand you guys. I threatened you. I actually told you that I would kill you. And you came back and you helped me knowing that I'm an oppressor, knowing that I'm a slave owner, knowing that I'm a pimp. Like you helped me, you had mercy on me. And we said, yeah, let us tell you about Jesus. Because you've been wondering, why would we do this? I promise you, it's not because we're good people, but we serve a good God. And his name is Jesus, and he has mercy where the world demands justice. And we want to share this mercy with you. He said, can you come over for tea? Yeah, of course. So we sat down, you know, we have tea. We talked to him about Jesus. He says, you know, I want to get, I want to get saved. I want to know this man, Jesus. That's awesome, man. Today, today's gonna change everything for you, man. So we pray with him, you know, he meets Jesus and everything. And, and we say, listen, now that you're a Christian, here's what we want you to know. Every Christian is a world changer. Every Christian has been anointed to do something about injustice in the world. And it just so happens that you've been given one of the greatest opportunities to do something about injustice in the world. Let us tell you about this man named Moses who once was an oppressor and murdered somebody but then he became an abolitionist and set slaves free and you could be a Moses and you could set slaves free because you already know where they are and he said oh man we actually have I have partners if they figure out what I'm doing they'll kill me I have four partners but I want to help I want to do something I, I, how can I help I, I tell you what come over today get 50 kids for free get 50 kids for free and in NGOs abolitionist cost is about $2,500 per child to set them free he's given us 50 for free add that up think about the charitable cost the donations everything that God did in that it's like, wow, are you kidding? 50 kids? We're like, we'll send the lorry truck. We'll come over. We'll get the kids. And he was like, well, okay, I'll, I'll give you 50 today. And then every year come back and I'll give you 25 more. And then you can take them home and you can rehab them and introduce them to Jesus like you introduced me to Jesus. And we were like, yeah, that'd be awesome. We'd love to do that. Let's get the truck. Let's get the truck. Let's, let's rescue these kids. Come on. So we're rejoicing. 50 kids coming home. You see all those kids? 50 kids coming home. This is amazing. This is awesome. This is great. And, 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 and we say, we're going to take them, take them back. We're a few hours away. He said, you know, why don't you, just got, why don't you guys just have a piece of property here? And then that way you can start a home and a school and a church. And you can do Sunday school with the families in the mines. And, 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 and I, we said, man, we would, but we just broke the bank. Man, we don't even have money to pay for the truck. You know, we took all our money out to help, help, help the people that are working for you. And he said, oh, you don't have money. Okay, well, let me just give you a plot of, plot of land. All right, cool. That'd be great. We'd love that. So he gives us a plot of land, and, and then the uh, you know surveyors come out, and they say, oh, well, you got rose marble and, and quartz on this property. This property is valued at $750,000. 
And we said, oh, that's, that's awesome. That's amazing. God's provided, you know, a, a beautiful piece of property for these children. But there was one problem. We couldn't even pay the taxes. So we went back to him. We said, man, we can't even afford to pay the taxes on that property. He said, oh, you can't. That's okay. Let's go to the bank together, and I'll co-sign a loan for you for the taxes, but I'll have my name on the note, and I'll pay it back so that if you guys ever need credit in the future, you can go back to the bank, and they'll know you're good for it because they can call me if there's any problems. So this guy who was a, a, a slave owner and an oppressor becomes a believer and our biggest international donor in a week who's also in government and, and, and a politician he arranges with the state for us to get free electricity in all of our kids homes so, so you know this guy this guy's our biggest international he's helping us you know and all these things all these things are happening and, 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 the, and the day in which we went to go take you know these 50 kids he said you know listen guys I, you, you've transformed my life sharing your message with me but how do I know that, that this that this is actually going to play out the way that you promised how do I know you're actually going to have mercy on these kids how do I know you're not just going to go and, and, and do something else crooked with them I've been in this business a long time and so we thought well how can we show him how can we share with him the heart of mercy that Jesus has. And we said, we have an idea. We said, you got your phone? Let's call a number. So we called Anitha. And we said, what better way to share with him the mercy of Jesus than to let this oppressor talk to the person that he formerly oppressed and see what message that she might have for the man. And he asked her one question and said, how's your life now? And she said this, I am a princess. These people have introduced me to Jesus. They put me in school. I have a church. And now I have a family. See, Anitha's three older sisters had all committed suicide because they were also sold into the same situation. And now there she was talking to her former oppressor. And the last thing that she says to him is, I love you and I forgive you. A man who deserved justice got a big heaping heart of mercy. And as a result, he set the kids free. And you know what happened a month later? He called me back and said, come get a hundred more. You know what happened a few months later he called me back said come get a hundred more a couple months later he called me I was preaching here in Nashville a different church called me on the cell phone he said hey come get 200 more I can tell you guys that that mind today is empty of those kids not because of justice but because justice is good but because of mercy not just because of the power of God we were blessed to receive the power we had the power we needed the power but because of the posture it's not enough just to release the power you've got to release it with the right posture you guys ever heard this before that the opportunity of a lifetime must be seized seized in the lifetime of the opportunity you ever heard that before the opportunity of a lifetime must be seized in the lifetime of the opportunity. And I just feel like that God's actually going to give us 
opportunities, like lifetime opportunities for you to release the power. But it's important that we understand that we must do it with the right posture because the posture is actually what's gonna be partnered to the power to set the world right. Here's what I can promise you. If you share mercy, every time you need mercy, you'll always have it back. Because that's what Jesus said, blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. On the other hand, if we're always scooping out justice and judgment, what's going to be the result? Jesus said, with the same measure you use, be the same measure to be used used for you. So Lord, we just say today, Lord, fill us with your power, but give us the appropriate posture. As you guys stand to your feet today, we're going to pray and just say, Jesus, we bless you this morning. We thank you, God, for your heart. We thank you, God, for your mercy. We thank you, God, for your love. We thank you, God, for your grace. You know, it's really, really tough to be judgmental towards someone else when you're considerate of the mercy that God has towards you. So Lord, we just ask you, show us. As we talked about, we got a seed to be stirred, God, and we ask that you would show us. Show us what it looks like to walk in your power with your purpose. Show us what it looks like to walk in your power with your posture, God. May we always have the heart position of Jesus Christ. Show us how to be human. Show us how to live. Show us how to know mercy. We pray these things today in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. So you're going to have a privilege uh, today as we're closing to find a few other human beings around you and look at them in the eye and realize that they look a little bit like God. Because God said that he created man, male and female, in his image. Every human being is an image bearer of God. And as we look at each other, we get the opportunity to have a heart posture of mercy. Will you take that up today? Awesome. Find about 10 people. Give them a hug. Look them right in the eyes. Bless them real big as we're closing up today. Thank you guys for being in the house. We're so grateful that you were here at Legacy today. Yeah, let's just give the Lord one more big hand. Praise God. We love you, Jesus.